Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Hey, come on, Rex, stop all this diplomacy shit. Who do you think you are, Secretary of State? What do you say? Hello, everybody. It's the Bill Press Show. Here we are on a Monday, Monday, October 2nd. So good to see you today uh, with a lot of breaking news. But the big news is, yeah, look who's here. Back from the dead, almost literally, <laughs> yeah, sadly. A little too close Peter to Peter Ogburn. All right. The return of Peter Ogburn. So good to see you, my friend. It's hello, good to hello. see you. Yes. Hello, Bill. Hello, and, Jamie. Uh, I love your good t-shirt. Good morning, Peter. I ain't dead yet. MFers. MFers. <laughs> yeah. No, we can say it right now. We're not going to say it right now. We're not going to say it right now in case anybody's watching with kids. You're but. looking great. You're looking good. And uh, this must be... The miracle recovery of all miracle recoveries. Uh, all of my doctors have said that this they could not have have hoped for a recovery this well. Uh, literally five weeks ago, I was I was still comatose. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that, <laughs> I, which I can attest to. You saw, you saw, Jamie yeah. saw, everybody saw me at my absolute worst. Uh, literally five weeks ago. At least you were quiet. Yeah, it shut me up for a little while. I tell people, being in a coma in the age of a Donald Trump news cycle, not so bad. Yeah, right. Not so bad. I don't have to follow the news cycle. I think all of us might wish for it. <laughs> Anyhow. All right. Great to have you back. Oh, I'm so happy yeah. to be back. Looking good, and we struggle along uh, without you. Uh, thanks mainly to the great work of Ray Rogers and Cyprian Bolding here. Yes. So, guy, uh, and Cyprian Bo- and Jamie Benson. Well, I'm looking right at him, calling him Cyprian. Yes, well, I resign. Th- there you go. All three of you. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And we got lots to talk about. We will jump right into the news of the day. Tom Price is out. Rex Tillerson has got to be on his way out. He's probably writing his resignation letter uh, as we speak. Uh, and a tragic, tragic event in Las Vegas. We'll get into it. But first, with this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Monday morning. We begin with the news out of Las Vegas. A gunman on the 32nd floor of a Las Vegas strip casino opened fire on an outdoor music festival. Country music star Jason Aldean was performing when the shots began ringing out Sunday night. As of right now, 7.02 Eastern Monday morning, over 50 dead 
over 50 dead, over 200 injured after that mass shooting, which could end up being the largest mass shooting in American history. Officers confronted the suspect on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino across the street from the concert. Sheriff Lombardo of the Clark County Sheriff's Office in Las Vegas says they believe this is a lone wolf attack. Uh, and they're looking for this one woman who may have dropped him off, they think. Howard. Person of interest right now, yeah. uh, if, if you're watching the, the cables or on Twitter, I'm sure uh, her picture will pop up sooner than later. Uh, we go to O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson released from jail Can on you believe parole. the O.J. is out? The juice is loose. <laughs> the juice is loose. Early Sunday morning, uh, <laughs> released slightly earlier than originally predicted, a couple of hours earlier, of course, O.J. was granted parole and a hearing back in July. Uh, asked as to where he's headed next, classic O.J. One, no, none of your business. <laughs> Absolutely none of your business. You know, by the way, good for him. Look, he's a free you know man what? now. It is none of our business. No. In well, it is, it, but it isn't. I mean, I, 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 when I saw that, I thought, good for you. OJ. No, none of your business. <laughs> Most people believe that O.J. Simpson is actually headed to the state of Florida if they'll let him in. Right, Bill? You say uh, Attorney General Pam Bondi not exactly happy she, about letting uh, him in? She is saying that this, it should not be a, a catch-all for all crooks and prisoners. A lot prisoners. of good golf courses down in Florida. Are, yes. I'm pretty sure he'll get let into Florida. All right, Weekend Box Office. search for the real killer. That's right. Weekend Box Office. It is back on top last week. It had been knocked down mm. to number two, but uh, Tom Cruise's American Made could not beat... Stephen King's It. Terrible. It remains at number one. America no. made number two. Let me tell you. Kingsman number three. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I saw Battle of the Sexes. Great oh, movie. Yeah, yeah, Is it really good? Really good. Really oh, good. Okay. Yeah, right. Battle of the Sexes. Go see it. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yeah, we don't want any more of that diplomacy crap, says Donald Trump. Cut it out, Rex. You're wasting your time. Yeah, he's only Secretary of State. What the hell? Hello, everybody. What do you say? Good to see you today on a Monday. It's a big Monday for many reasons. A Monday, October the 2nd. This is the Bill Press Show. And here we are on our studio in Washington, D.C., booming out to you coast to coast, of course. Uh, thank you. Hope you had a great weekend. Thank you for joining us this morning. As we look at you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Looking at you also on Free Speech TV and uh, on the great WCPT out in the Chicago area and Indiana Talks in Indianapolis and the surrounding area. Here we are. A lot of big news today. The biggest news of all is, uh, well, last week, uh, Jamie, we heard a, um, uh, a sentiment. Uh, that uh, you, uh, everybody in the world heard uh, from the United States House of Representatives. You have no idea how great this feels to be back here at work in the people's house. <laughs> that sentiment expressed last week by Congressman Steve Scalise. Uh, that sentiment expressed today by our own Peter Ogburn. Hello, Peter Bill. Is back is back. I'm definitely a living example that miracles really do happen. 
<laughs> we know what a big fan of Steve Scalise as you are, uh, Peter. So Look, we wanted to save those for you. I I spent some time in the same, same hospital, hospital where this. Steve Scalise. And this, Recovered. And that is literally the only thing I have in common with Steve Scalise. And the same trauma surgeons brought yeah. him through, brought you through. In fact, when I saw the doctor standing up taking his bowels, I said, thank you for Peter Ogburn. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting to see you on 60 Minutes last night, Peter. You know, it was weird. I watched some of that, and I saw they had some of the footage of him in, yeah. like at the yeah. hospital. I know that place. That's I spent some time there. I spent way too much time there. <laughs> you did indeed. Yeah. It is so great to have you back. How do you feel? I feel great. I feel great. If I'm, I know. First of all, don't, let me just don't, don't, not, not, don't. Am get, I yelling too much? No, but don't get too excited. I'm not, I shouldn't just, get too excited. Thank you. I can't wait till we get our first complaints about how your voice is too loud, and I need to turn you down on the soundboard. That's yes. fair. Well, then you know I'm really back. That's right. right. Then you yeah. know I'm really back. I just don't. You know, the blood pressure and everything. I just. Don't I'm fine. All right. I've, okay. I've been given the all clear by my doctors. Normally, they say they don't want anybody going anywhere close to work until six weeks. Yesterday was five weeks since my uh, I had an aortic dissection, which then turned into an aortic rupture. And if you don't know what that is, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. But like an aortic dissection, essentially there is a separation in the walls of your aorta where you begin just leaking mm-hmm. blood throughout your body. Uh, and so I, uh, I woke up with a horrible pain in my chest. I was taken to the hospital. They looked in my chest. They saw what was happening. I took a helicopter ride, yeah. which was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took a medevac <laughs> to another hospital where they one of uh, the greatest hospitals in the world. I, look, um, I've got so med, much I want to say about the people at that, at, that yeah. at a hospital, MedStar Washington. Uh, Doctor Jennifer Ellis was my cardiac surgeon, amazing. Uh, and I landed, and she said, "You have an aortic dissection. Do you know what the next step is?" And I said, "No." And she says, "An aortic rupture. Do you know what happens then?" And I said, "No." And she says, "It's game over." Oh. So they they took me into surgery and I had open heart surgery. They cracked me open. Uh, I, I'm still I'm, I'm here now with a broken sternum and broken ribs. And how's uh, that? That's not great. <laughs> it's this not great. Sucks. It <laughs> sucks to be out here with this out of control. <laughs> I, I look. I I've been there. I feel that. Mm. Uh, and, and they, and I had open heart surgery. They put a valve around my aorta and, uh, a pink valve? uh no, no, it's a plastic valve. A plastic valve. Okay. I actually had All a right. meeting with my surgeon last week and I said, how confident are you yeah. in this valve? And you're she right. said, when you're dead and gone, when I'm dead and gone, when your kids are dead and gone, that valve's still going to be around. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. So they, they have some confidence that I'm going to be mm-hmm. okay. Maybe they'll recycle it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. And you've been in rehab since? And- I've been in rehab. They've been coming to the house to make sure that I'm yeah. okay. The, the, <laughs> I, again, I, don't, I won't spend too much time on this, but during the surgery, the surgery is nine hours long, and you're put in a very awkward position for the surgery. No kidding. <laughs> and they free, they they freeze me and froze yeah. my, my blood to yeah. about nine degrees Celsius because it slows everything down. It makes it easier for the operation. And as they describe it, essentially, they, they have my, my – I'm laying on a cold table, and they have my chest sort of elevated, and my arms are out in, like, a crucifix-type position, and I and they got me strapped down for nine hours. And so in the process, uh, I had a series of strokes, I found out, 
Uh, there's been a lot of nerve damage. Like I like I mm-hmm. can't feel a lot of things in my right arm yet, but I'm getting there. I mean, you can see it's better than it used to be. Yeah, yeah when you saw me in the hospital, I could barely right. get it up. Yeah. So they, I've been working with some great therapists. Uh, who, we're talking about the arm, my arm, about his arm. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, and so I like th- like the therapists have helped me get some strength back in my arm, strength back in my yeah. legs, and uh, I start cardiac rehab this week, but. I, I couldn't sit at home any longer. I no, had to get no, here and just make no. We sure wouldn't have let you sit at home any longer. This is an amazing home. time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, we tried to do what we can, particularly while you were in uh, in the hospital there. And uh, uh, but I I've uh, waited a long time for this because I was totally rebuffed one day when I showed up at the hospital. Uh, and and your wife and all of our colleagues said, no, you cannot do that. So, damn it, I've been holding hey! this bottle of bourbon, which I took to the hospital. I, so I've been holding it for you today. This Popeye a, needs a spinach. This is gold, good bullet frontier whiskey. Thanks, called. buddy. Now, I'm not sure you're allowed to have this he yet. He still can't drink please. it. I can't drink it quite yet, but, right, but it's you, nice to know I've got it in case I got need it. it. You've got it, right. So the way it, we, This is what we joked about with Bill when Bill first brought the <laughs> bottle of bourbon to the hospital, is that Bill thinks that bringing Peter bourbon is like giving ice cream to his grandkids. <laughs> it is not the same My thing. My doctors would have carried you out of there if they don't oh, need no. bourbon. I was told don't even get take it out of your car. Leave it in the car. Don't even take it in the hospital. <laughs> let me so, let me just say this very quickly. Uh, you have been amazing. Jamie has been amazing. Ray and Cyprian, everybody came to see me in the hospital. You guys uh, kept me company when I couldn't move. Brought you food. Brought me food yeah. when I when I couldn't go get real food. I mean, the hospital food will only take you so far. Um, you, you guys, I really, I really, honestly can't thank well, you. Well, we love you, man. Yeah, so, no, I love you guys, right, and, and thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And all of our friends out there too, who uh, were so solicitous and sent their greetings. Uh, Twitter was unbelievable. Yeah, I got so yeah. many Twitter messages. Right. So, so. I, I just, I felt very, very loved the entire time I was out. All right. Yeah, I'll tell you who doesn't feel loved these days is Tom Price. <laughs> uh, by the way, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so Tom Price is out, but. There's so much to say about this. First of all, he shouldn't have been appointed in the first place. Let's remember, right? Why was Donald Trump surprised that that Tom Price tries to milk every penny he can out of being uh, secretary of HHS? Remember, during his hearings, it came out that while Tom Price was in the Congress and was chair of the Health Committee in the Congress, he was trading in health corporation stocks and becoming rich trading in this insider trading in health health uh, industry stocks. So, and people said at the time, oh, this guy's a little etchy here, you know, right? No, Donald Trump appointed him anyway. Uh, and then Trump, go, uh, the price goes out and he takes at least 26 trips, uh, chartering jets to take him to Europe, to Asia, uh, to Georgia, to Nashville, even took the, a jet from uh, Dulles, to Philadelphia, <laughs> which uh, I'm going to take the train uh, right after the show today. It's about an hour and a half ride at the most. Uh, but he chartered a jet for that. God knows what that cost. Probably about $26,000 an hour. At any rate, it, it, his Europe and Asia trips alone cost almost $500,000. And when Price said, oh, I hear the criticism now, so I'll make up for it. I'll write the government a check for $50,000 uh, <clears throat> just to pay for my seat. That's not and how it works, by the way. That's not how it works. That's Donald how Trump work. Donald Trump reportedly was pissed. He brought Price into the Oval Office, chewed him out for two hours, 
And then he stepped outside on Friday on his way to his golf course and told reporters, um, I'll decide tonight what I'm going to do about Tom Price. He was lying. He had already decided. But he said, I'm certainly not happy with it. I'm not happy. Okay. I can tell you. I'm not happy. Okay. I'm not happy. Uh, That's a bad sign. That is a bad sign. It's also a bad sign when he calls you a good man. (laughs) I don't like to see that happen. And I think it's a shame because as a human being, Tom Price is a very good man. I can tell you. (laughs) Yeah, that's a sure sign. Michael Flynn was a good man. Michael (laughs) Flynn was a good man. Uh, Steve Bannon. Gorka was a good man. Steve Bannon was a good man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. I think, by the way, Tom Price is the ninth, ninth top person. In the trumpet to get the axe. That, that was my Think biggest takeaway from the Tom. Sean Spicer, Michael Flynn, yeah. Sebastian Gorka. Steve my Bannon. biggest takeaway from the Tom Price thing is how normal it was. Like, if yeah. Obama had dismissed his health and human services secretary, it would have been a story. Huge. Like, yeah. it would have been a huge story. And it's just kind of like, oh, well, yeah. he's just used to firing people all the time. Well, and of course, you can say that uh, Donald Trump didn't warn Tom Price. I mean, uh, back in. Uh, Pardon me. Remember this one? Uh, uh, Trump was speaking to the Boy Scouts back in July, July 24. Uh, he turned to Price, uh, joking, uh, maybe not. By the way, you're going to get the votes? He better get them. He better get them. Oh, he better. Otherwise, I'll say, Tom, you're fired. I'll get somebody. <laughs> well, uh, by the way, uh <clears throat> Uh, he didn't uh, get the votes. No. <laughs> and he also doesn't have a so, job. So while while uh, Donald Trump, when he was talking to reporters and saying, I'm not happy, uh, Trump had already uh, berated uh, Price for two hours. Uh, Don Pri- Tom Price had already written his letter of resignation, had already delivered his res- letter of resignation. Trump had already accepted his letter of resignation. Uh, but he told reporters, uh, I'll decide tonight, because he didn't want to say it publicly. He wanted it uh, it, it to come out. Uh, so uh, this also to be said about Tom Price. He's not the only one who's been cashing in on the private jets. We know that Steve Mnuchin, um, Scott Pruitt from the EPA, um, Ryan Zinka, the uh, Interior Secretary, and we learned over the weekend also the head of the Veterans Affairs, um, what Shulkin, whatever his first name is, they have all also had uh, made uh, extensive use of private jets. Uh, we're going to see <clears throat> what happens to them. And the other thing is, look, okay, and I tweeted this out too. Okay, Tom Price was profiteering from his job. He's hardly the first, the only person in the Trump administration to be doing so. In fact, profiteering from the job starts at the top yeah. in this administration. Who's making money? Who was making money over the weekend at his golf course? Kaching, kaching. Donald Trump. He's still doing it. Still owns all these buildings, all these hotels. Money's still going in his pocket, and he never goes anywhere to one of his properties because he's, you know, promoting it. Just self promotion. Money in his pocket. The same thing with his wife, the first lady. Melania still has her line of, I don't know, accessories and jewelry and perfume. I don't know what else she's what else she's selling, but it's out there. And so is daughter Ivanka. So, you know, I can see where Tom Price could say, hey, right? Donald Trump is setting the example for all of us. 
maximize the opportunity you have to make money and to get a free ride and to get all the goodies you can out of it, right? That's the tone. That's the tone for this administration. Uh, and the other thing I enjoyed about this is that Donald Trump did say um, that he didn't like it. He wasn't happy. He said the optics were bad. He didn't say what Price was doing was bad. Look, the optics were bad. It made him look bad. That's what he didn't like. Donald Trump is a grifter. Yes. All of his children are yes. grifters. Yes. Like, of course, they're going to think that this is the message to take away from public service is that you get a cool jet to ride around. Uh, you know, for like small things. Comes right from the top. Yeah. Starts right at the top. 100%. Absolutely. Uh, so, yes, Tom Price is out. The question is, how long will Rex Tillerson uh, survive? You know, if Tillerson had any balls, he'd just quit, right? I mean, here's the president of the United States, and, and don't take it from me, veteran experts in foreign affairs, former secretaries of state, have all said they have never seen anything like what happened over the weekend when the president of the United States openly humiliated and repudiated his secretary of state, saying that, um, so we know last week, uh, Tillerson, just the end of the week, went to China. He went to China to sit down with the president of China to see if China would help negotiate Get, start some negotiations with North Korea to get them to tone down their nuclear program. Now, it, remember, it was just a few months ago that Donald Trump told us, don't worry about North Korea because I've asked China to take care of it. Mm -hmm. Right? That was Trump's, how Trump started and assured us we didn't have to worry about North Korea because China was going to take care of it. So in a sense, Tillerson was doing what Trump had said he was going to do but now Trump is just interested, obviously, in a military solution. And so Tillerson goes to China, meets with the leadership of China, trying to open a door to, to uh, North Korea, and a, a diplomatic option. That's the job of the Secretary of State. Diplomacy is the title of the job, right? Uh, and Donald Trump tweeted out and said, Rex, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. Don't waste any more time meeting with uh, trying to open a diplomatic uh, affront on uh, North Korea. Uh, we'll do what we have to do. We'll take care of it. What does that mean? If it's not diplomacy, it's war. It's war. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the mocking of diplomacy by Donald Trump, I think, is going to be something that we're going to grow to fear in this presidency. Like just talking to somebody else, just trying to figure out where our common ground is and where we can where we can find uh, common interest to where we don't try and blow each other off the map. Right. I mean, and that has always been <laughs> everybody. You talk tough, right? But at the same time, you're exploring diplomatic options. No, no, no. Donald Trump is saying openly, publicly, I do not want to explore any diplomatic option with North Korea, which only leaves the military option on the table. There, there's, there is, there is nothing else. Uh, but again, if you're the Secretary of State uh, and the President, by the way, he did say also our wonderful Secretary of State, Rex <laughs> Tillerson. Mm -hmm. So he called him a good man too, in effect. Uh, and while you're doing it, the President himself pulls the rug out from under you. How do you stay in that job? Why do you stay in that job? How do you 
how do you face your family? How do you face the people that are working for you in the how State you, Department? Yeah, how do you go into the job of the State Department and say, hey, guess what? We're meaningless. <laughs> you know, we might as well all just quit. Yeah. And, and by the way, you know, Tillerson's been a lousy, is a lousy Secretary of State anyway. Um, I mean, he, he has hundreds and hundreds of positions, both uh, abroad in our embassies and here at the Secretary of State, as Joe Cirincioni has told us so many times, have not been filled. So it's a shell uh, of a State Department right now. But at, at least Tillerson, in this case, was trying to do the right thing uh, and the president. You know, I said this a couple of weeks ago. You, if we remember when Rex Tillerson was first being confirmed, all of the news surrounding him was that he was close with Russia, that he was close mm-hmm. with Putin because of his days at ExxonMobil. And everybody thought, oh, he's going to be the real puppet for Putin. He hasn't even done that. It, like, good, right? Like, it's, I'm glad that he's not standing up for Russia. Yeah, that's a low yeah. bar, but, but you're right. He hasn't yeah. done anything. He hasn't even done the things wrong that he was expected to do. Right, yeah. No, in a, in a sense, a, a non-entity there at the uh, State Department. But I got to tell you, I think the writing's on the wall. I mean, Tillerson's, Tillerson's on his way out. And and again, he's not he's not the one as Secretary of State who is setting foreign policy for this administration. I no. Mean, Trump doesn't even invite him to the meetings at the White House. I've been to a lot of those meetings with foreign leaders at the White House. Tillerson's not even there. Yeah, I mean, what, what Trump has turned the State Department into is a, just a mockery of what the State Department should be and can be, you know? Like, no talks with, with foreign leaders. There's a skeleton crew there that's working at the State Department. There are n- yeah, numerous yeah. jobs that have been left unfilled. Big that, jobs. Huge, big. big jobs. That Trump is saying, you know, oh, the Democrats aren't aren't passing these <laughs> nominees or putting these people through. But, like, at the State Department, there are giant holes there that need to be filled. That They have zero interest in filling. They don't care. Because, the like... The main role of the State Department, if you really look at it, is to try and find some diplomatic solutions and to try and work with other countries. And Donald Trump has shown he has zero interest in yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Meanwhile, uh, here's my question We to live you. in hell. We live in hell with Donald Trump as president. This is insane. It is. It is. Oh, but there's just one final point on there. Some people have said that this crazy, crazy uh, behavior of Donald Trump is... Nixon-like in the sense that Nixon actually, through in, during the Vietnam War, he wanted to scare the crap out of China or Russia, and he ordered this massive show of military strength, flying these bombers for three days in a row over part of the Soviet Union to scare them, and he he did it deliberately, and told Hald, Haldeman, "I want you to put out the word." that this guy is so crazy, we don't know what he's going to do, just to scare them. So he pretended to be crazy to scare the Russians, uh, historians tell us. So some people say that's what Trump is doing, that he's pretending to be crazy to scare the North Koreans. You know the difference here, if you ask me, and from what we've seen? Richard Nixon was pretending to be crazy. Donald Trump is. Yeah. Huh? There's the difference. That's a really good point. Yeah. All right. Meanwhile, my question to you is, who do you believe about Puerto Rico? Do you believe Donald Trump's tweets from his swanky golf course in New Jersey? Or do you believe the reporters and the local officials on the ground in Puerto Rico? 
if you listen to Donald Trump and his people, it's all rosy in Puerto Rico. Here's Elaine Duke, you know, last week. She actually had the here she is. It is really a good news story in terms of our ability to, to reach people and the limited number of deaths that have taken place in such a devastating hurricane. Oh, yeah. It's a good news story. What's happening in Puerto Rico? I mean, you've seen it. Homes destroyed, bridges, roads washed out, the entire island out of electricity and like 90 percent of it still is out of electricity. The mayor, ask the mayor of San Juan, she doesn't think it's a good news story. Damn it, this is not a good news story. This is a people are dying story. This is a life or death story. So there is no doubt that the good job that FEMA did in Texas, the good job they did in Louisiana, the good job they did in Florida, they did not do in Puerto Rico. It may be picking up now, but they were two weeks before they really, really responded. Uh, and uh, then when Donald Trump is finally asked about it, well, he gives the lamest of excuses. Well, you know, did you realize it's not so easy to get to Puerto Rico? We can't drive our trucks there. The response and recovery effort probably has never been seen for something like this. This is an island surrounded oh. by water, oh. big water, ocean water. Big water, ocean water. As, uh, <laughs> as Alec he is Baldwin, the dumbest person. As Alec Baldwin said on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah, it's full of fishies and turtles that bite. That water, right? Yeah, you know, uh, we can't. Places that are far away realize, and hard to get to have stopped us from doing great things. We can't drive our trucks there. Yeah, right. Oh, what yeah. are we? What are we gonna do? Yeah, hands are tied. Mm-mm. But the loss of life in Puerto Rico, Donald Trump, he's got to brag about everything. The loss of life is incredible. The loss of life is always tragic, but it's been incredible the results that we've had with respect to loss of life. People can't believe how successful that has been, relatively speaking. I can't, I can't believe he's president. The loss of life is a success. The loss of life is a success. Thank God. Yeah. Good news story, incredible, historic, incredible. epic, incredible biblical. And, and the idea that he would... Remember how they criticized Barack Obama for playing golf during some, I forget, crisis, whatever it was. Name it. Name, like any crisis. On a weekend when there wasn't even a crisis going on, they gave him grief for it. So here's Donald Trump, spends a weekend again at his golf course uh, in the swanky golf course of Bedminster, New Jersey, tweeting about what a great job they're doing uh, in Puerto Rico and accusing the people of Puerto Rico of only saying what the media wanted them to say. Donald Trump actually said they were watching the news, right? And and based on what they saw on television, they were talking to reporters and talking about how bad it was. <laughs> Idiot. They didn't watch. They weren't watching television. They didn't have any electricity. They, were, they, they weren't watching the news, right? They were talking about what they were living, what they were experiencing. And we saw the video of these people trying to get to their homes and water up to their waist, right? Saw the bridges washed out. You know, um, maybe two things. Maybe Donald Trump ought to take a lesson from Jose Andres, the chef, the chef. Down there with his World uh, Kitchen Network, I think they called it, or something like that. He World Central Kitchen. 
He's feeding 10,000 people a day, and he's been there for two weeks. Yeah, guy's one of the biggest chefs in the world. Biggest chef. If Jose Andres could do it, by the way, whom Donald Trump sued for pulling out out of his hotel here, if Jose Andres could get there and do it and help those people, why couldn't the federal government? Why couldn't Donald Trump? And the other thing is maybe he ought to learn something about an island from Barack Obama. In uh, 2010, when the earthquake struck Haiti. Haiti, by the way, is an island. Lots of water. Lots of water. Big surrounded water. by water. Big, Big water. water. Big water. Big water. Ocean, right? <laughs> uh, in two days, we had 8,000 troops in Haiti after the earthquake. In two weeks, there were 22,000 troops. Washington Post reported this. 22,000 troops, 33 naval ships, and over 300 helicopters. Right? Compare that to what Donald Trump has done. In Big Puerto water, Rico. ocean water. Big water, ocean yeah. water. Ocean water. <laughs> so, uh, pretty bad. And Donald Trump is heading down there tomorrow. Yeah, he'll be as welcome in Puerto Rico as Maria was two I, weeks ago. I don't know who in their right mind is going to be nice to him when he goes to Puerto Rico. I hope yeah. that they fling mud. I hope we get like a too, George but... W. Bush throwing a shoe. Yeah, uh, well, not, I, look, yeah. I'm here for it. Incident. I know. But you know what? I think the re- the governor down there is a Republican. He's been saying nice things, you know. Yeah. It's but, terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. I'm telling you. He's more 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 interested in kissing Donald Trump's ass and helping his people. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And for the rest of the show, we have no idea who's I... going to be our guest today. It no is clue. a wide open day. Everybody knows Peter is back. And so we've just <laughs> invited some friends of his to come by and say hello. So stay tuned. I don't know who the hell's going to walk in the door. Ma'am, I don't know if you know this, but you're in an island in the water. The ocean water, big ocean, with fishies and bubbles and turtles that bite. We want to help you, but we have to take care of America first. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. All right, on a Monday, October 2nd, what do you say? The Bill Press Show, great to see you today. Coming to you live from our nation's capital, as always, uh, with a big change today. Yes, indeed, the one and only Peter Ogburn is back. Hi there. Here he is. (laughs) I made it back. And we just opened, uh, issued an open invitation today. (laughs) Friends of Peter to come in to uh, help us uh, celebrate, and uh, you want to introduce your friends? <laughs> yeah, we've got Van Newkirk in studio with us, so I'm very happy to have Van in, and, oh, Van and Emma Roller, two of my favorite Hi. guests. Hi, everyone. Surprise. Come in and party. <laughs> These are surprise guests all morning. Peter did not know that they were coming. He does not know who's coming in the 8 o'clock hour either. Right. I think it was a great idea for Jamie to book an entirely surprise guest lineup for a guy whose heart just exploded. <laughs> <laughs> I just say, I just, I just, I just want to say, well done. Not- <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Well, you live your life on the edge anyway. Yeah, so. I, mean, I would have it no other way. We also want to point, I think we have made this point before, that uh, both Peter and I have had heart surgery. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, Jamie, um, you, you know, it's a progressive, yeah, Jamie. progressive talk radio is a pretty dangerous place here, right? So. 
and we have donuts uh, to celebrate uh, Peter's return today. Great. I can't we have any of the donuts. We can all eat them, yeah. but You Peter brought me can't. bourbon. I can't have bourbon. <laughs> this is great. This is great. Surprises, donuts, and bourbon. Wait, where's the bourbon? <laughs> we got bourbon. You want bourbon? We got bourbon. <laughs> Uh, and we might add, we're brought to you today by the United uh, International Association of Iron Workers, the great iron workers, uh, member, men and women of the iron workers under President Eric Dean, building our communities today and ready to rebuild our infrastructure tomorrow. Thank them for their support of the program. Check out their website at www.ironworkers.org. All right, where do we start? We start with, uh, Jamie, an update. Um, Jamie's got a mouthful of donut. But Donald Trump is tweeting already about yes about the Las Vegas shooting. Oh, which, Las Vegas! Sorry. By the way, uh, the the current totals, as we understand it, is that there are over fifty dead, two hundred injured in the mass shooting in Las Vegas. They have identified the suspect. I believe he's a sixty-four year old local resident in Las Vegas. Donald Trump tweeting about twenty-nine minutes ago. Quote: My warmest condolences and sympathies to the victims and families of the terrible Las Vegas shooting. God bless you. Nothing else since mm-hmm. then. That is remarkably measured for He him. didn't write that. <laughs> There's no way. No, no, There's no never. way. Uh, John Kelly wrote that, probably. Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, what gets me now, we are in this position in this country where something like this can happen. This could be the worst mass shooting in American history. It's certainly way, way up there. Uh, but we're not allowed to talk about why this guy was able to buy a machine gun. Mm-hmm. And own a machine gun, and use a machine gun. Not allowed to talk about guns anymore. No, it's considered <clears throat> bad taste. It's political, right? <laughs> yeah, right. The time to talk about gun control in America is always tomorrow. Like we're never going to have a real conversation. But this guy had a friggin' machine gun. Mm-hmm. And when you, if you've watched the videos that are on Twitter of the, some of the people that were at the concert. And you hear the music, and then you hear the machine gun fire. I mean, it sounds like the things that you see from, like, Karachi, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, w- th- this is in a major cosmopolitan area of the United States, and this guy's got a machine gun. It's unbelievable. And people will say, well, people have a right to defend themselves. Uh, and wait till the first idiot's going to say, well, if it weren't a gun, you know, he could have had a knife. Yeah, right. Can a knife mow down yeah. you know, 50, 50 people? That with Wait, from across the street? Yeah. Right. Yeah, just insane. Um, Look, we live in a country where we have nuclear war. Uh, we're on the brink of nuclear war. There are mass shootings all the time. We've got Nazi rallies that the president defends. There's a general feeling of lawlessness on every level in the country. Like, we're not going to have a debate about gun control now. Mm. Yeah, the thing that disturbs me about this, I think, by the numbers, this is the deadliest mass shooting in U.S. Is history. it already? Yeah, yeah. already. Um, and so that that makes two of the the deadliest mass shootings in U.S. history, the the, the two most in what the past three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's it, it's but it's getting to a stage where it's almost normal. People expect this. I don't know how deeply this is going to be in the discourse in a week or two um, from now, and it. it Shouldn't be something that we are okay with, but right. it is, strangely. Um, yeah, and that, that says a whole lot about, I think, what we prioritize. It's it's not good. It shows the power of the NRA, who have really turned this whole issue around, really, where, as I said, I'm not kidding. I mean, I, people just feel that it's not 
proper. It's not correct ever talk about guns in in the wake of a mass shooting. But I think it's the first thing we ought to talk about. Uh, you're right. Or it's Orlando, right? The Pulse mm-hmm. and Pulse. and and this one. I feel yeah. like I've seen the NRA messaging even more around semi-automatic weapons in the past, you know, five years. Um, as you know, it's clearly you're not going out and hunting deer with a semi-automatic rifle. You could if you want to turn your kill into a fine mist right. to take home to your family. <laughs> right. by, so we have Donald Trump who supports anything the NRA wants to do to their convention, the whole thing. They, they endorse him for president. And in many ways we are unaware of, he is perpetuating and, and, and sort of concretizing the impact of the NRA. Somebody told me there's a some education board Betsy DeVos's top board of advisors or something, uh, whatever, or some educational thing that Donald Trump appoints people to. He appointed Wayne LaPierre's wife. Oh, my God. So you know what her agenda will be? Guns in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know her. Give every teacher a gun. Arm, arm every teacher. It's just wild that that's actually a policy point still <laughs> today. Like that, That's wild to yeah. me. Yeah. Blows right. my mind. Like treating public life as an arms race doesn't end in a good place. Where like, well, if they have a gun, then you get a gun, and right. the other guy gets a gun, then you get another gun. Uh, let us move on to another topic, if we can, because this one just drives me crazy. Um, if you were Rex Tillerson today, Van, what would you be thinking? Ooh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be penning a letter of resignation? This is fine. Yeah, I think this is fine. <laughs> right. yeah. So we know what happened. Uh, Rex Tillerson goes to China, meets with the president of China, says maybe you can help us get a little dialogue going with the North Koreans so we can tame them down and stop all this, these missile tests and, and, and kind of get them to at least tone down their rush to nuclear weapons. And Donald Trump over the weekend said, Rex, stop wasting your time on diplomacy. Yeah, I, I don't know what's happening here. It, it, did you see the report where, you know, I think the North Korean government's trying to, like, get around Trump and, and talk to other people in the administration to see, like, okay, what's going on with this guy? And they're sort of shocked by his rhetoric. Um, it, it's we're, we're, it's a mess. Um, people love to call North Korean leaders madmen and say they're going to be the ones to bring us to the nuclear brink or whatever. But it seems most of the work being done on that front <laughs> is coming from Washington. Yeah. Emma, when Donald Trump says to, to Tillerson in his follow-up, um, it, it, we don't, don't, don't pursue any di- diplomatic uh, avenues, right? We'll do what we have to do. I mean, the only other option left. Is yeah, raining hellfire down on this country and fire and fury. Fire and fury. Rocket Man. I don't know Rocket if Jamie Man. has that clipped up. Oh, um but yeah, and it just goes to show how Trump, Little Rocket Man. Little Rocket Man, sorry. Right. Yeah. How, it, w- it wouldn't be Trump unless there was like a sp- specific personal insult. Rocket yeah. Man. Here there you go. go. I don't think he knows either Kim Jong-un's name or how to say it. So, like, that's, that's one of those things. When, that's when, another thing. When Trump yeah. gives you a Probably nickname, true. he yeah. doesn't actually know who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably true. But back to your point about, I mean, there's only military option. Right. Well, he he's, you know, he thinks of himself as this strong man, um, and he's just someone who doesn't see... He, 
the human consequences of politics, which is, I think is kind of the logical endpoint in a lot of ways of the sort of both sides horse race rhetoric of politics that we've seen over the past 5, 10, 20 years is is like, well, who's going to win? Who's winning North Korea? It's not, you know, there's millions of people who live in this country and don't deserve to be bombed into oblivion. Uh, yeah, I don't I hear what you're saying, but we've never there's a lot of hostility uh, on both sides. Right. No, totally. I'm not sorry. But, I'm not defending I, North Korea just, or, or Trump. Him. Yeah. No, but, neither. No, that's what I'm, I'm yeah. saying. We've uh, never seen the politics has been ugly, but there's never been as ugly and as personal as Donald Trump has made. Right. I'm saying he's taking Tr- the presidency yeah. to a new sure. depth. I think I, yeah. what I wonder is how much North Korean citizens know because, you know, they're. Oh, I think so they're all brainwashed. They're pretty tightly well, controlled. So yeah, how do they how do they conceptualize a danger? I mean, the, the the most likely outcome of any sort of this going over the brink is millions of Koreans on both sides of the both DMZ sides. die. Right. Um, right. And then that's something that people really don't have enough gravitas about, I think. They don't think about the situation. It still seems remote from the US because it likely is. Uh the most likely outcome of militar militarism and this type of rhetoric is people are going to die again over there, and that's going to be something people put in the ledger. But you know, I, I know, uh, particularly coming from California, a lot of people in the West Coast are really nervous about this because they're, you know, probably can't they, their missiles probably can't get to Washington D.C., but they can get to California and Alaska and Seattle and Portland. Uh, and this is going to make them even more nervous because if you tell the Secretary of State, in effect, to shut down all diplomatic options, then you're left with a military option. And the only, it seems to me that the only saving grace is that maybe Defense Secretary Mattis, when Donald Trump says, send the bombers and start dropping bombs on North Korea or fire a cruise missile, that Mattis will say, no. Well, yeah, that's when you get into the realm of a real... It's a constitutional crisis when the military leaders have to decide, are we going to go through with what the commander in chief tells us to do? If that's what we're holding out hope for, <laughs> we're kind of screwed. Welcome we back, Peter. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel really good about it. No, because what he would do is fire Mattis and get another general. Who would? Yeah, exactly. Just, exactly. Just, yeah, a Saturday night massacre with Nixon. Be all over again. So then you have uh, <clears throat> Tom Price. Walking off, uh, <laughs> riding into the sunset over the weekend. Uh, were you surprised? Um, well, again, I saw Trump kind of playing it up as if it were uh, The Apprentice saying, like, well, we'll see tonight if, you know, if he's given a rose or he has to leave the show. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't just Friday that he first said that. Last July, if you remember, when he gave the speech to the Boy Scouts. July 24, he sort of sent a little signal. By the way, you going to get the votes? Oh. He better get them. He better get them. Oh, he better. Otherwise, I'll say, Tom, you're fired. I'll get somebody. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, my God. Whoops. Wow. <laughs> it's just like his tweets. There's there's something for everything. Yeah. 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 So, and it, it, like, that will but, contradict what he is currently saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here, here's what I thought was instructive, Van, is that when Trump was talking to reporters before I got on the uh, on Marine One, he said, 
he didn't like the optics of of Tom Price taking all these uh, private jets. It, God was it, forbid someone, pri- uh, you know. God forbid there's bad optics. Bad. <laughs> yeah. In, in this White House? What? But this is, it's wild to me. This is the most 1990s scandal ever. Like, this is, this is a regular scandal. Like, yeah, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. okay, but, you know, a public official takes way too many, a million dollars worth of private flights. You know, they pay, to, they say they're going to reimburse their seat. Turns out there were all these, you know, attaches and, like, family members hopping on these flights there's lunches in nashville this is not a trump era scandal Mm -hmm. you know we're still trying to uncover there's still you know committees on russia right now like (laughs) russian facebook ads people you know there's not condemning white supremacists nobody cares about planes but the one guy who has you know all these private flights is the first person to get sacked Mm -hmm. over it like it it, it's it, it boggles the mind but it is you know which of these scandals could you go to a common man on the street and explain mm-hmm. and get sort of the right amount of outrage about? And it's Tom Price. Tom Price. Yeah. I sure. was also amazed at how normal this felt. You know, like, it, it was maybe a week yeah. to the scandal. May, like, maybe a little over a week. But, like, we built up to him resigning, getting fired, however you want to put it. Right. And it was just like, oh, well, yeah, naturally. Like, it's the Health and Human Services Secretary. Which, like... The repeal and replace of Obamacare, which I know has lost a lot of steam, obviously, with the Republican Party, but like that is still a major, major promise that Republicans have made to America. And he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Poof. Poof. And we're done. And what number is he in terms of like people? I think number nine. I think, yeah. uh, That's what I I saw something I didn't, but. You know, Bannon, of course, and Reince Priebus, and Sean Spicer, and Sebastian Gorka, and Mike Flynn, and does Gorka go count? Because we don't really know what Gorka's job. Yeah, but he still counts. <laughs> That's true. true. That's true. <laughs> true. Final point on price, and we, Peter, and I made this point earlier, is I can uh, I can certainly see why Tom Price would say, "Hey, why shouldn't I cash in? Donald Trump's cashing in. Ivanka's right. cashing in. Melania's cashing in. The 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 you know the." Uh, Kind of agenda, it seems to me, of this Trump administration is right. Ka-ching, it's like ka-ching, God, make all the money you can. God forbid someone profit off of public office. Like I'm so shocked. <laughs> yeah, when ex- the entire first yeah, family exactly. is doing. There's this gambling stuff. here. I'm shocked. <laughs> right, exactly. All right. So on the NFL, then there is still a lot of a lot of players who took a knee over the weekend and uh, or locked arms. Um, do these protests continue? Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't think they're going to have the same meaning uh, that they did originally. You know, you had f- new players like Cam Newton came out and did the Black Power Fist, uh, mm-hmm. some some other folks like that. But uh, I think the league has done a really good job sort of co-opting um, and undercutting the message to where it's no longer threatening to mm-hmm. the league. Um, where where they, they, they want to be able to still capture all the – people who basically wear the flag to work every day. Uh, And those people have basically been assured that the NFL is still going to be the NFL. Nothing's going to change. Um, You know, they're going to have some owners behind the scenes saying, oh, maybe I'll donate to your police, you know, brutality uh, 
foundation that you do but you know just just chill on the mm-hmm. on the kneeling the, you know the NFL had yeah. considered doing a one America patch on all the jerseys this weekend <laughs> which again totally nullifies the whole thing that's not what why that people mean? started protesting sorry right. when Dan Snyder oh, God. the man who owns a team called pardon me but called the Redskins mm-hmm. shows up and locks arms with his players I can I can pretty much say that the protest has jumped the shark. That was a mm. disgusting photo. Yeah, it was. it's terrible. Yeah, right. And, and, yeah, and you're going to have lots of players who really do feel, you know, they're, they're trying to find ways to protest, and they think it's it's something that's necessary. But the the thing about it is the NFL, you know, the, their PR machine is much better than individual players, um, and they're always going to find a way to get out in front of it, always. Right. Yeah. But I thought it was smart of them. I don't know about you, Emma, to – well, I mean, not to do what that high school principal down in Louisiana did and said, you must stand for the national anthem or else you'll be suspended, right? And the NFL basically said, hey, guys, do your thing, right? No, you're right. Some of those donors coming out with them was yeah, a, little, a little, little too but much. Yeah, you're right. But, you know, and that, that sort of, in a sense, took the steam out of it. I, I forget who said it, um, but essentially – you know, it's not the NFL owners. It's not like they came out because they were suddenly like, oh, you know what? Cap is right. Police brutality is bad. Right. It was because the president of the United States was attacking the shield and attacking the franchise. And that's what they know how to do is defend the, the shield. And um, I forget who it was on ESPN who had a really great monologue about that. So uh, Donald Trump was so obsessed with the NFL and with the players that he totally forgot about Hurricane Maria uh, hitting Puerto Rico. Was, by somebody's count, it was 22 tweets last weekend, not this past, the weekend before, 22 tweets about the NFL, not one about Puerto Rico uh, and the people, the human suffering down there, uh, Americans <laughs> suffering in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is this his Katrina, Van? Well, I would say be careful what you wish for because he did start tweeting about Maria and it, they were terrible tweets. Um, very bad. Very bad tweets. Oh, when he started. About, when he started. Oh, yeah. When, yeah, he, yeah. when he discovered it, he attacked the people of Puerto Rico. You know, um, actually, I think the one thing people in Puerto Rico um, sh- and people who are dealing with disaster response still from, say, Harvey and Irma uh, on the mainland is that the president doesn't have a whole lot of direct control over immediate aid response, um, and it sort of goes on autopilot without him uh, because his rhetoric was awful, uh, and Bush was blasted for much, I think, less bad sort of open rhetoric about Katrina. Um, and he was rightly blasted, I think, and, and Trump will bear, I think, the blame when the immediate relief turns into long-term relief when that's going to have to involve debt relief and it's going to have to involve rebuilding infrastructure. And he came out and said, Puerto Rico, basically, you know, they don't want to work. They don't want to, they want everything done for them, you yeah. know, and they, yeah. he blames on all these yeah. Puerto Rican, you know, the, the, the debt and the infrastructure, they got to pay for it. Like when it turns into the humanitarian crisis over the next couple of weeks and months where it's ongoing, then you'll see this rhetoric becomes the real poison. Right, yeah. Am I making the point about, well, they had all this, they owed Wall Street all this money. Right. It's It's the, like almost, well, that means they deserve to be destroyed by a hurricane. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's entirely in line with the Trump rhetoric and, and in 
a lot of ways, the entire Republican Party rhetoric of, you know, you've got to bootstrap yourselves out of, you know, whatever terrible hardship befalls you. It's all on the individual, except when it comes to Wall Street. In that case, you know, socialism is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, but I think it's, as you point out, it's going to come back, come back to haunt him. It'll be interesting to see what kind of a reception that he gets down there tomorrow. But... Of course, he redeemed himself yesterday uh, by showing how much the the people of uh, Puerto Rico, how much he loved them, by dedicating the golf trophy at the President's Tournament yesterday to the poor people of... Well, gee, oh, no. What a well, show of empathy, right? Luckily, right? people can eat trophies. You know, yeah, so right. that, that's perfect. You um, know, these millennials with their participation trophies, I just don't know these days. I picture a mother in Puerto Rico telling her children in their house with no power oh, or yes. water, saying, mm-hmm. well, you know, kids, the President's Cup trophy was... So yeah. is he bringing it with him tomorrow? Oh, that, that's oh the one God. thing I wanted to know. You know what? Uh, we like... He would. Stepping off Air Force One. Yeah. Yeah. I brought right. the trophy. <laughs> yeah. This is it. Right. It's No, it's it's totally disgusting and terrible. That's all you have to think about. Everybody. But it's great of you guys to come in to help us welcome <laughs> Peter back today. Van Newkirk from The Atlantic. Uh, Emma Roller. Sponger News. Sponger News. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I uh, changed jobs so often. No, I kind no. of forgot that. Fine. Right. Uh, and we have another couple of surprise guests. For the next hour, top of the hour. Again, who knows who's coming in, but we'll find out. Back with Peter Ogburn and all of you. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say? Diplomacy. Who needs diplomacy? Uh Uh-uh. We got war. So Rex Tillerson, you're just wasting your time with that diplomacy shit. Hey, what do you say, folks? Great to see you today. It is The Bill Press Show on Monday, October 2nd. We're happy to see you. I'm glad that you joined us and hope you had a great weekend. And we know why you're tuning in today. You're tuning in today to see the return, uh, the great return we've been waiting for a long time of Peter Ogburn. Uh, He is um, standing, standing strong. We've been locking arms together this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm alive, which is a marked improvement from five weeks ago. Uh, yes, indeed. Remarkable recovery. It's so good to see you back. Welcome, welcome. I, listen, uh, really and truly, I am so happy to be back. Not just because the hospital food was terrible, and I'm tired of sitting around watching, you know, reruns. I, and I, like, I've run out of all the shows I wanted to binge watch at home. Uh, it's <laughs> nice to see you. It's nice to see Jamie and Ray and Cyprian and everybody with the Bill Price Show. Uh, you guys were so so great when I was uh, off my feet. 
and it's nice to be back working with you again. Well, it's good, so good to have you back, and we've uh, extended the uh, it's the open door today for our uh, <laughs> guests, so uh, all of our special friends of Peter's invited to come in and join us in welcoming him back, and uh, look who's here, Alex Seitzwald from uh, MSNBC, NBC, the whole Network. Hello, Alex. Well, Peacock family. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. I know. I'm surprised you're not in uh, Puerto Rico. They didn't send everybody down there. Uh, they did not. Well, you know, once Trump uh, moves it up and starts tweeting about it more, maybe we'll uh, <laughs> we'll have to be more on top of it. Yeah. Right. Go down there. I'd like to go down there and interview the mayor of San Juan. She seems to be a real. Real the pistol, mayor right? yeah. who, like, the photos I mean, coming she, out of Puerto Rico of her, like, wading through the waters with a bullhorn trying to find people yeah, to yeah. help. I'm sure Trump would do the same thing if it happened here, right? As long she, as it was on a golf course. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She she went to some uh, uh, hospital or a recovery home or nursing home or something, was carrying people out herself. And they said, somebody said, why are you doing this? She said, what do you mean? It's my job. I'm the mayor, right? Yeah. But Trump said his swank golf course at Bedminster, accusing her of bad leadership. Well, I think I think that's the answer. You just tell him it's a it's a really big water trap, and his golf ball is in there. It looks like a person in a wheelchair, but it's just a golf ball. Put on the waders and dive uh, that's in. That's how you do it. You that, trick him into being smart. All right. Yes, indeed. Uh, Alex Seitzwald here with us with Peter Ogburn. We'll jump right into all the news of the day. But first, this is the it's full Jamie. court press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Monday morning. We begin baseball playoffs. Baseball playoffs. Yeah, baseball playoffs what? begin tomorrow. It's official now. The AL and NL wildcard games are set for Tuesday and Wednesday in the American League. The number five seed Minnesota Twins will take on the number four seed New York Yankees in New York City. And on Wednesday night, it's the National League wildcard game, the number five seed Colorado Rockies versus the number four seed the Diamondbacks in Arizona. Now, uh, Bill, you're probably wondering when the Nats play. Is that right? Do you know this already? This weekend they play the Cubs. The Nats kick off their series against the Chicago Cubs, number two seed versus the number three seed in Washington on Friday night at 7.30. The Dodgers will play the winner of the NL wildcard game on Friday night as well. It's a 10.30 start in the American League. The Astros and the Red Sox, two and three seeds, Thursday at 4 p.m., and the Indians will win, will face the winner of the AL wildcard game uh, on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. So, uh, you know, a lot of talk about football, a lot of talk about football protests, well, 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 baseball just, playoffs are coming up. No, exactly. I, I got to say, uh, <clears throat> the Nats didn't exactly end the season on fire. Uh, they didn't look yesterday like uh, <clears throat> they're... Um, ready for the no, playoffs. I'm, I'm really thrilled that as they go into the playoffs against a red-hot team, they lost a series to the Pirates. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I lot feel of, really great. A lot of people it. talk about, you know, getting rid of the wild card games because it, it kind of hurts the uh, the number one seeds. They have yeah. to sit and wait. Yeah, true. True. your radio, on TV, and online. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, who needs diplomacy? We got war, says Donald Trump. Tells Rex Tillerson to stop wasting his time trying to negotiate open negotiations with North Korea. Hello, everybody. What do you say on a Monday, October 2nd? 
So good to see you. Welcome, welcome to the program. The Bill Press Show coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio right here on Capitol Hill with the news of the day and, most importantly, the breaking news of the day, the big story of the day, sitting right across from me, Peter Ogburn, back from about uh, five weeks of uh, extended, unwanted Time off. Tell you, I got uh, I got I got The last you. thing you wanted was open heart surgery, dude. It was a it was a nice five weeks. I got to tell you, I got to knock off. I spent part of the month in a coma. I didn't have to read any Donald Trump news. It was great. I, can I, I can't get one recommend of, it highly enough. Can I get one of those comas? Yeah, I got to tell you, yeah, if you I haven't wanna... had a coma in the Donald Trump administration, you're missing out. Yeah, but I don't want to rupture the order. Uh, it was to not get fun. There. Uh, were you, were you, did you just like wake up and you're like, what he tweet? Yeah, what yeah. Well, I was, well, there's actually when I so uh, we we. Only spent a whole lot of time on this, but I did have uh, open heart surgery because I had a, a dissected aorta, which turned into a ruptured aorta. And if they didn't have me on a machine that was sort of circulating my blood for me, that would have been game over. You for are one popular. of the few people who survived that. No, you don't survive a ruptured aorta. If you get a ruptured aorta, that's it. Like that, you're dead within a matter of seconds. Yeah. But because I was in the hospital, I was on the table, and they had me hooked up to a machine that was sort of circulating my blood for me. I didn't really necessarily need my heart at the time because I was under such good care of MedStar Washington and, and my surgeon, Dr. Jennifer Ellis, who I will forever, forever be grateful to. Mm. Um, but like, you know, I had a series of strokes while I was under, and you come out of this thing, and there's a whole, there's a term called an ICU psychosis, where you're sort of in this weird, loopy uh, state, and you don't read, like, you're awake, and you're aware, and you can recognize people, but you also just, like, imagine conversations that didn't happen, and you forget a lot of things. And so at one point, they said, do you know where you are? And I said, uh, I don't remember this. This has been told to me. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I, I, I really I have no idea where I am. And they said, do you know what year it is? And I said, 2008? Mm-hmm. And they said, no, no. Do you know who the president is? And I said, Donald effing Trump. <laughs> and they said, oh, he's going to be all right. He's going to be okay. <laughs> so they knew at that point, like, yeah, I'll be all right. <laughs> uh, we remember the important stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. so burnt. That's so deep. The, the smelling salts. Of, yeah, uh, they, they got me going right yeah. away. I said a lot of unspeakable things that could not be repeated to Peter while he was under, so you'll never know. <laughs> Sorry. Fair. Yeah. Bill heard it, but you'll never know. No, no, no. And we have to give it to Jamie, too, who did an incredible job while you were gone. If, you know, um, I'm always nervous when I go away that people take my seat and I may not have a job when I come back. If I were you, I'd be nervous. <laughs> I know! I, like, all of a sudden, Jamie's doing full court. What am I, unnecessary over here? <laughs> And Jamie has been amazing, and yeah. Ray has been amazing. Ray, Ray, and, and Cyprian here too, keeping it all. Hey, going, man, you so. got big shoes to fill. Literally, the you, whole you, show. Size oh, yeah. Like I can't spend enough time talking about what what the show did while I was out. Uh, spending time with me in the hospital, bringing me dinners, Bill bringing me bourbon in the hospital, <laughs> which is frowned upon apparently. Uh, can't imagine why. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Sounded good to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, listen, I hate to start on the news of the day. I hate to start here, but can't avoid it. Uh, now the worst mass shooting in U.S. history uh, happening uh, last night in Las Vegas uh, at a concert across the street in the parking lot sort of of the Mandalay Hotel. Um, and the shooter 
Uh, with a machine gun on the 32nd floor of the hotel, shooting from the hotel across into the into the tent, into the parking lot, into the concert. Over 50 dead, over 200 uh, injured. Uh, Alex, we've seen this at the Pulse. We've seen it so many times. Not this bad, um, but um, we're going to. There's going to be a lot of grief this week, and then we're going to walk away from it. My prediction is, and not do anything about the easy availability of letting some idiot buy a machine gun. Yeah, I mean, I am dreading uh, the political conversation that's <sighs> coming because we know exactly the script that it's going to follow. We've seen it. A hundred yep. times, and unfortunately, we're going to see it a hundred times again. And anybody who mentions guns might be a problem here. Will be attacked, right. being insensitive, politicizing this event. Now is not the time for now that. Now is not the time. No. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, you, so that's what's going to happen, right? Somebody, <clears throat> some some Democrats are going to say, "Hey, maybe we should make it harder for these." At least for machine guns. At least for machine agree, guns. At least for machine guns. Yeah. We talk. We talk about these semi-automatic weapons or automatic weapons and things like that. And, and if you look on Twitter. And it's not necessarily for the squeamish, but there are videos from the concert, and it is jarring yeah. to hear the the country music playing, and all of a sudden in the background you just hear the of a machine gun in Las Vegas, like on a very heavily trafficked area in Las Vegas. It's really, really jarring. Yeah, and we talk about gun violence a lot, and we've seen the. The, the the sort of the aftermath of some of these these gun attacks, but like that to me was incredible to watch. And the the only two bills in Congress right now are both in the opposite direction to expand uh, gun access. One would make it easier to buy silencers because that's obviously what we need right sure, now. Right, yeah. uh, because it's hard to buy silencers. And the other is kind of the the holy grail of the NRA, something that they've been trying to push for years and years and have never been able to succeed in, but might now finally. And that's uh, what's called reciprocity for concealed and carry. So that means that it, you can get a concealed weapons permit in, you know, say, Florida, which has very limited restrictions. And, you know, you don't need to do basically anything. And you can then take it anywhere. And your license is valid oh, in right. New yeah. York and California and D.C., wherever places that have much stricter uh, concealed carry permits. So th those are actually coming up soon. I was supposed to cover the hearing on silencers the day that Steve Scalise was shot, and they delayed that hearing because a member of Congress, or uh, several members of Congress were shot, or you shot at. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I will say, that the silver lining for um, you know advocates of, of changing these things, on the state level, it has been different since Sandy Hook, uh, there has been progress. Bills have been passed. But I really think that moment, the Sandy Hook shooting, was kind of the end of the, the gun control bait on a national level. It's just, you know, once we kind of accepted that that was a tolerable... It's, that it's okay to massacre first graders. Right. And, 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 and we're not going to do anything. Right. Then I I just... When the parents of Sandy Hook came to Washington and walked the halls talk, and showing the pictures... Of the, you know their little f f six year olds right and uh, and Congress just said so what we don't care yeah right did nothing yeah I mean wish I could say what I <coughs> wanted to say about yeah. them but I hold my bite my tongue Smart. Uh, yeah um, it's not well, going to happen and we and we have a president who has owned lock stock and barrel by the NRA. Well, and that's They'll what the sign anything they want. Yeah, and that, and that's exactly why um, the the people on the other side the the you know Gabby Giffords of the world 
are, are so worried about this concealed carry reciprocity thing because this is what something the NRA has been trying to pass forever. Even George W. Bush wouldn't do it, but they feel like Trump they, they feel like Trump owes his you know position partly to the NRA, and now he's going to repay the favor. Right. Uh, and it took a long time for uh, even for Barack Obama. I remember um, maybe five years before he even mentioned uh, it was before Charleston. But what was the one up in upstate New York? I forget. Was it, was it Sandy Hook? Yeah, it was Sandy Hook? Mm. I guess. Yeah, right. He he really he did make a Not big push on that. New York, Connecticut. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, and he, but he before then he was like I remember at the briefings we kept saying. Why hasn't the president said anything about where is he on 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 the assault weapons ban? Uh, and Robert Gibbs used to say he supports it. Yeah, well, that's such a question. Mean anything. What right. the hell is he right. doing about it? Yeah. Right. And even he was trying to triangulate on guns. He, I think, that one of the only gun laws he actually signed, the piece of legislation, was to uh, allow you to bring guns in national parks, which had been banned, and then Obama loosened that, and on Amtrak trains. So Obama actually loosened gun regulations. Uh, but yet was seen as this boogeyman who was, you know, coming to take all your guns away. Right. And obviously that went out in the narrative. Eight years. Eight years was the narrative that, it, like, even up to the very end, there was a concern yeah. that Obama was going to take all your guns away. And, like, not even close. Not even close. All right. So um, we've been talking a lot about Puerto Rico today. Donald Trump is heading down there uh, tomorrow. Are you saying might even stop by the Virgin Islands? What kind of a reception is he going to get? Uh, not a very good one, I'm guessing. Uh, when you have him feuding with the mayor, uh, when you have Lin Manuel Miranda, like t- ten minutes after tweeting some, you know, <laughs> motivational, inspirational thing, telling Donald Trump that he's going straight to hell. Um, yeah, I think these people are uh, pissed off, to say the least. They're furious at the response from the federal government. They feel there's a racial uh, motivation or a racial bias in how he responded to Texas and. Do you think Florida. he knows they're Americans? Uh, I think he's been informed they're Americans, whether at the outbreak of this crisis he did. I don't know, to be honest. Um, I think he does now, certainly. But mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, the, but he's clearly treating them in a class apart, uh, talking about, you know, their bond holding and their, their state and local capabilities not being up to snuff. No one was ever talking about how Florida or Texas needs to, you know, get their house in order before FEMA comes in. Yeah, right. No, if you don't pay your bills, well, why why should FEMA help you, right? Yeah. If you haven't fixed your infrastructure, then why should FEMA uh, help you? And there's also that other problem, uh, Jamie, about it's the geographic location <laughs> of, of Puerto Rico that, um, that, you know, you have to understand this is why we couldn't do more. The response and recovery effort probably has never been seen for something like this. This is an island surrounded by water, big water, ocean water. (laughs) Uh, Do we have Alec Baldwin, Saturday Night Live? He, Alec, sort of, uh, he amplified on it a little bit about how dangerous that water is. Ma'am, I don't know if you know this, but you're in an island in the water. (laughs) <laughs> the ocean water, big ocean, with fishies and bubbles and turtles that bite. <laughs> we want to help you, but we have to take care of America first. Do you think, yeah. do you think you knew it was an island before? Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. No, he, I'm, no. St- I'm still not convinced that he knows that like Puerto Rico is part of America. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's a really hard concept for him to grasp. And like, 
Can you imagine yeah. any other president? I'm not trying to make the comparison of like Obama versus Trump, but like literally any other president going up there and saying, well, it's an island surrounded by a lot of water, big water, ocean water. And that's why we haven't done more. Right. So he didn't. Like they'd be laughed out of office. Oh, yeah. It's, it's almost poetic in a. Uh, yeah. 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 And, and, but, and he's right. I mean, this is a, a challenging thing, but that's the but, job that you sign up for as president. Turns out it's a tough job. And uh, he well, then, uh, you know, says he's being treated unfairly when you have a difficult time responding to an island, yeah. a crisis on an island. Well, a couple of quick things. Jose Andres, our master chef, one of the most famous chefs in the country, right here from Washington, D.C., has been in Puerto Rico for the last two weeks. They're serving 10,000 meals a day. Yeah. Okay. He could get his crew down there on the, on the scene and... And get to an the, island, to an island by ocean water, <laughs> right. turtles that bite, big water, and turtles right. that bite, yeah. right? Yeah, Jose Andres could do it. Donald Trump can't. That was the day uh, that that Jose Andres became president. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Someone tweeted Jose Andres Pitbull 2020. That's it. Yeah, yeah right. Um, I Friday uh, talked to one of the leaders of the Teamsters Union. So I met. We were at a board meeting at uh, George Washington University. And he said they've been on the ground. So they've they've a big local there, mm. but they have flown in resources. They are, it's tough for them because the roads are out, getting supplies out to the remote, more remote parts of the island. Uh, but they've got hundreds of people there, and they're delivering relief. Right, so the teams just could do it. Donald Trump can. And uh, I mentioned earlier the Washington Post reported you might have seen in 2010 when the earthquake hit Haiti. Within two days, we had, we had eight thousand troops on the ground. Haiti happens to be an island too. I mean, island <laughs> surrounded by ocean water, <laughs> certain, water, shared by Dominican Republic, but it's an island, not even U.S. territory. Right. Within within two weeks, they had twenty two thousand troops there, thirty three ships, and three hundred plus helicopters. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a response, right? And to your point, yeah. And no, Donald no. Trump is is at a swank golf course tweeting out, "Oh, we're doing a great job." Yeah. But, and like you said, that's not even U.S. territory. Yeah. That's a whole other separate entity yeah. that we felt compelled to help with. Mm -hmm. Like, And Puerto Rico is part of the country. Yeah. Um, but all is well now because Donald Trump dedicated the trophy yesterday, the golf trophy, to the people of Puerto Rico. So that, <laughs> that must make them feel a lot better, huh? Let them eat trophy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, right. They don't have plumbing. They don't have water. They don't have electricity. They don't have food, but they got that trophy. Yeah. They can each share it. You know, they yeah. each get a day with it, pass it around the entire country. It's like country. the Stanley Cup. Yeah, You just right. take it around the country. It'll I'm definitely a living example that miracles really do happen. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, Donnie, you're doing a heck of a job. Huh? Yeah. We really are there. Yeah. Um, so what's going on on the Bernie front? Uh, I, I, we always talk Bernie with Alex because he covers the <laughs> campaign. And uh, I think Bernie has uh, survived his most recent uh, brush with the Democratic establishment, if you will, which was over health care when he did that debate last week with uh, yeah, yeah. some Republicans, Lindsey Graham, on health care. They all freaked out about it. and They all said up... that he was going to help the Republicans by even talking about single payer. And... Never mind the yeah. fact that single payer is extremely popular in this country. Yeah. Right. Like if you're gonna have to go make an argument for something, I'd way rather have him have to make the argument for that than to be on the other side having to make the argument for the Graham Cassidy bill. Rest in peace. <laughs> uh, I saw an, uh, a note this somewhere this morning, um, <laughs> early in the morning, so I don't remember that much about it. 
But the, the most popular politician in, in America today, Bernie Sanders. Yeah, there's been a bunch of polls. And, and this is why I think we really need to treat him as the front runner for 2020. He's, you know, one of or the most popular politician in the country. He's the only one who's actually got a organization, you know, a, a mm-hmm. field program to dedicated grassroots supporters, a bunch of these kind of uh, groups that have spun off. And, uh, yeah, I, I do think it's a wide open field, but I think he's got to be treated as the front runner. And it's so funny to watch so many Democratic politicians try and pivot a little bit to the Bernie message, yeah. which was so popular. But, like... It's clear that it's kind of like they're jumping on the bandwagon. Bernie has been consistent for the entire time that he's been around. He was born talking about single pair. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No No kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And he's the the authentic. You're right. Others have tried to climb. But even Elizabeth Warren, you know, I I love her and she's great Uh, and probably agrees with Bernie on every issue. But, you know, he was there. Carrying that torch in 2016, and she chose not to. Yeah. So it's really like his more than her uh, time, I think, an issue. And um, and I I find it amusing that he's the most popular politician, the most popular Democrat today, and he's not even a Democrat. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and it tells you, um, I think, a lot that the people who are criticizing him and were saying that he was going to contribute to Republicans' effort to repeal Obamacare. None of them put their name to it, or very few of them did. It was all, you know, anonymous G chats, uh, and it's 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 because they're, they're fighting a rear guard effort to prevent the the Bernie Bernieization of the Democratic Party, and they're losing. I mean, he's he is when he gets up there and rolls out a single pair bill with Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker. 16 other Democratic senators. All, all of whom, or most of whom, are running for president. Yeah, that tells you uh, the direction that the party is heading. And they still have, you know, they're they're bitter about last year, which is understandable. There's a lot of bitterness all around. But uh, they are sort of on the wrong side of, of the history of the party, I think. John Kasich yesterday said, um, uh, ind- indicated that he might actually, if the party doesn't get its stuff together... Uh, he might leave the Republican Party. Do you, yeah, do you buy that, or do you think that's a that's an empty threat? Because people have been talking about starting third parties, and those almost never follow through. But it does speak to his frustration with it. Uh, I don't buy it. I think what it says is that uh, he's uh, that he is thinking about a challenge to Donald Trump in 2020. Yeah, I, I would see that more likely. That would be because I mean, Kasich is a conservative. Let's not. Yeah. Right. He's a conservative, no doubt about it. He's he's and a, a true conservative, uh, not a Trumper at all. Yeah. Uh, and I think he is legitimately um, appalled at what's happened to the Republican Party. Yeah. I mean, I, I think somebody's going to challenge Trump primary him. Oh, absolutely. The question is like the the baseline is like Evan McMullen, you know, the the former CIA guy. But so that's the floor, and I think Kasich would be another level. And and historically, every time a president has gotten primary, they've lost a general election, you know, a real primary challenge. Right. Um, I just don't. I just don't see Kasich leaving the Republican Party. I mean, you look no, at I don't either the organization. You look at the money. You look at the power that they still wield, even though they are not as big as as Donald Trump. I just don't know how he launches. and I, I, I mean, I can be wrong. I just don't know how he launches into a big enough campaign to where he takes down Donald Trump. It does speak to, the, if you're a guy like John Kasich, 
you look around and this is not a party that you recognize. It's right. it's Donald Trump's party. I mean, I was just in Alabama for that Senate uh, special uh, election. I'm, I'm going there next, right? Go yeah, ahead. and so yeah, when when Roy Moore wins and you're and you're John Kasich and you've and you've also fought this you know healthcare yeah. appeal bill tooth and nail. What did, what's left for you in that party? Right. So yeah. um, right. So Donald Trump last week he he loses the repeal effort the second time around and he puts his reputation on the line to go down to Alabama to campaign for Luther, Big Luther, big right? Luther. Uh, who is who is very big, I will say. <laughs> yeah, he is. He yeah. is. Well-deserved name in that case. <laughs> Little old rocket man, Big Luther. Uh, but um, he loses. So uh, Republicans have to say, hey, this guy, he talks a lot, but he doesn't have a lot of political clout, maybe as much as people give him, think. I, I, but I, I think it's almost even scarier if you're a Republican because Trump was on the wrong side of of that race, but his people were behind Roy Moore in a big way. It was Trumpism. You know it, and you know it. And they thought, you know, maybe we can get Trump to save us from Trumpism because you can deal with Trump. You can negotiate with him at least in theory. You can't negotiate with a movement or with an ideology. And the fact that Trump couldn't save them from Trumpism. I think is really scary to Mitch McConnell and the rest of the party. So where does that manifest itself in 2018 or 2020? Well, the first places to look are Arizona and Nevada, where you've got incumbent Republicans who are super vulnerable. They're going to be the only real pickup opportunities for Democrats, and they both have right-wing challenges. Uh, and now Steve Bannon and all these folks are going to go on supporting them. But then where it becomes you know, really problematic is if they can expand that, if they can scale it up, which they're talking about doing, to the House and to, you know, challenge 20, 30 House members with right-wing challenges, primaries. To me, I think so much of it is local. Like, the the Roy Moore thing didn't surprise me in the slightest, because yeah. Alabama is going to Alabama. And I <laughs> all of my family is from Alabama. I understand that. Arizona's a little bit different, but, like, the, the rumors last week that Steve Bannon has talked to Tom Tancredo to come back in Colorado, oh, which is a blast from the past, but, like, if a guy like Tom Tancredo can win in Colorado these days, which Tom Tancredo, I think, is Trumpier than Trump, that, I think, would be very scary for not only Democrats, but, like, Republicans, because they, they will have officially lost their party. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it's a hostile takeover of, just like Bernie is kind of doing, for, less hostily, yeah. but he is taking over the Democratic Party. Uh, Trump is a much more hostile takeover of the party. Now he's the president. I mean... The uh, uh, Mitch McConnell's own super PAC, the the Senate Leadership Fund, which put ten million dollars behind Luther Strange, they put out an after action memo to try to figure out you know what happened, and they concluded that the Republican controlled Congress has replaced Obama as a boogeyman. That's a direct quote for conservative voters. So their their own this is McConnell's own super PAC is admitting that McConnell has become the boogeyman for so having voters. so having the endorsement. <laughs> Uh, of the RNC or the Senate Republican Campaign Committee or Mitch McConnell, right, is a negative for Republican incumbents. It backfires. Yeah. And so what do you do then? I mean, and you look at McConnell's approval rating among Republican primary voters is like negative 40, you know, net 40. It's terrible. And Trump is like, you know, plus 30. So... It's it's his party. Like he he's the one who they're looking to now. Um, when when if which I guess we should still say Roy Moore gets to the Senate if he gets. Um, 
Any doubt that he'll continue his agenda and shake things up and be taking on Mitch McConnell and on every issue? I don't I don't see any. I mean, this is a guy who from his days as a high school student as a he was a military policeman in Vietnam and he was so strict that his men called him Captain America derogatorily and he slept surrounded by sandbags because he was afraid one of them might kill him. <laughs> This is a so this is a guy who has no problem making friends out of enemy or making enemies out of friends, uh, you know, standing up for what he thinks he believes in. He he's been fighting even before his famous Supreme Court or his famous Ten Commandments thing in two thousand three. He had a smaller Ten Commandments fight over a smaller court years before that. So no, I think this is a guy who does exactly what he feels is right all the time and has no problem, you know, making everyone around him hate him. I talked to somebody who said if it's ninety nine against one, that's fine with him. Mm, right. And you know, wow. his agenda is going to be anti-gay, anti-abortion, anti, I mean, pro-gun, the whole thing. He's going to, it's going to be the social agenda, right? It's a throwback, yeah. All, all cultural wars all over again. Yeah. Right? And any efforts on the Republicans to focus on middle class tax cuts or economics or jobs or whatever, no, Roy Moore is going to change the agenda. Well, I, and I do think he's going to be a, a Luther Strange, that he'll be an anchor around the neck of the Republican Party. And I think that's right, because yeah. it, it's the exact issues that Republicans don't want to fight on right now. Right. They want to talk about economics. They don't want yeah. to talk about, as Roy Moore said, transgender troops in our bathrooms. You know, <laughs> kind of kind of bungled that one a little bit. Uh, and it, he talks about sodomy in like almost every, you know, public speech. I've never heard a politician talk so much about sodomy. Uh, he seems a little bit obsessed with it, if you, if you ask me. But... Um, <laughs> You know, that's not what Republicans want to talk about. But tell me about it, Romero. You know, I, I interviewed him in 2005 on C-SPAN, uh, an interview that resurfaced uh, a couple of weeks ago where back in the back, right back then he said homosexuality should be illegal and, um, you know, gays for consenting adults in the privacy of their bedroom. Uh-uh, like, doesn't re- matter. They should be locked up. Republicans thought that Ted Cruz was a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Wait yeah. until they get a load of Roy Moore. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be really bad. Yeah. Really, really bad. And we will be able to see him uh, riding his horse to uh, the Senate. Yeah, exactly. Day, right down to, our street. You have to ride right down Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue. Do you know this horse's name? No. Sassy. Wow. Hates um, gay people. Names is uh, <laughs> Right. Someone should probably talk to Roy Moore about the name of his horse. <laughs> Sassy. Sassy? Oh, he likes yeah. to ride sassy. Hey, Alex, thanks for coming in. Welcome Peter back. Uh, we'll, take a, <laughs> uh, we'll take a quick break. Uh, stay with us and uh, another couple of mystery guests coming oh in. All right, here we go. You're going to see in state after state after state. People that follow the model of Judge Moore, that do not need to raise money from the elites, from the crony capitalists, from the fat cats in Washington, D.C., New York City, Silicon Valley. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. All right, here we go on a Monday, Monday, October 2nd. Big day for the return of Peter Ogburn to the Bill Press Show. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C. 
our open door this morning to all the friend, special friends of Peter to come in and welcome him back. And look who's here, Jen Bendery from Huffington Post. Hi, Jen. Hi, Bill. There he is. Hi, Peter. Man. Let's be clear. I'm an attention slut. So, like, <laughs> right. I'm really enjoying today's show. And I just want to say again, uh, thank you to Jamie Benson for scheduling an all-surprise rundown of guests for someone whose heart just exploded. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I've uh, made it so far. Will I make another half hour? Stay tuned. And maybe welcome Matt Fuller, too. Matt Fuller Huffington is also Post. here. Right, here he's, we go. he's here, too. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 whatever, a, whatever. it's a Huff Post hour hey, here, or half hour so, on the, uh, on the hey, Bill Press show. <laughs> Glad you made it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Looking good. Uh, it is the uh, after Steve Scalise, the uh, most uh, the biggest miracle recovery we've seen in Washington D.C. I'm definitely a living example that miracles really do happen. Thank you. I think you Thank need you. to get Steve Scalise one of those shirts you're wearing. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was in the same hospital that Steve Scalise was in, which is literally the only thing I have in common with Steve Scalise. <laughs> <laughs> but like when they were showing the 60 Minutes footage of him like doing his his rehab stuff. Uh, it was, I recognized it. I'd been there. Yeah. If Steve Scalise had walked into the house last week wearing that T-shirt. <laughs> Have you said yet 2020. what your, sh- your shirt says? For those of you that are listening and not watching, Jamie Benson got me this shirt, which I love. It just says, I ain't dead yet, MFers. The words of uh, the nature boy, Ric Flair. So, I'm not dead yet. Do you yet. know who Ric Flair is, Bill? I have no idea. Professional wrestler. Oh, he, he had a he had a health scare the same time that what? I did, and they put out this shirt that says, "I ain't dead yet." And the next special guest is Cyprian Bolding. He'll be telling <laughs> us all about wrestling this morning. Why would I know who this professional wrestler is? <laughs> that's right. Fair. That's, I mean, a, that's a very fair question. <laughs> all right. Uh, so news uh, <laughs> news of the day. God, where do we start? Um, I'm going to avoid Peter. talking. Ignore me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talking any more about uh, Las Vegas? We've talked enough about it this morning. It is uh, now the the worst mass shooting, mass murder, massacre in the history of the country. Uh, as we were saying the last half hour, and won't, we won't do anything about it. We'll, you know, there'll be a lot of noise for a couple of days, and then it'll move on. There'll and, be a lot of thoughts and prayers. A lot of prayers. A lot of thoughts and prayers. Yeah, we already heard them from Donald Trump this morning. His right. warmest condolences. Mm-hmm. Exclamation yeah. Warmest point. condolences, by yeah. the way. Yeah. That's what Donald Trump said in his tweet. My Exclamation wa- point. My warmest condolences? Is that a thing? It just sounds like the worst. It sounds like a knockoff, like black market card you get for someone in the hospital. Yeah. My warmest condolences. If uh, it had happened a day earlier, he would have dedicated the golf trophy to them. <laughs> yeah, right. That'll help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll help the people of Puerto Rico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who have no water or power or medicine or food. Or roads to drive on or, frankly, cars to drive on those roads. Like, it's it's a total disaster. The, 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 to me, the biggest disconnect was that Trump was accusing them of just repeating the criticism that they were seeing on television, accusing the people of Puerto Rico of seeing negative stuff on television and then reporting, repeating that to reporters. Didn't he realize, they're not watching television. They don't have any freaking power, right? They don't have any electricity. You know, and when you see them coming across these in, waist high in water, right, trying to get back to their homes, you know, when they, do you see that? That's not because they saw it on television. They're living it. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And, and there's footage of, of, you know, we all knew Trump was at his golf course yesterday. 
or his uh, golf. What is it called? The it's President's like, Cup. He was well, there, but before oh, that, oh, no, he was at Bedminster. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you can if you look up photos of what that place looks like. It is just obviously the most lavish mansion with amazing grounds and everything's made out of gold. And then I saw a picture of the San Juan mayor taken the the same day or maybe the day before where she's literally mm-hmm. wading through yeah. waist deep sewage water up to her chest to hand somebody something in a boat floating by. I mean, you can't get much more stark than that. It, it's the, the, it's I, I think I think you put that next to what Trump tweeted over the weekend. The mayor of San Juan, who was very complimentary only a few days ago, has now been told that the Democrats that you must yeah. be nasty to Trump. Right. Such poor leadership ability by the mayor of San Juan and others in Puerto Rico who are not able to get their workers to help. They want everything to be done for them. Which is remarkable yeah. for the president of the United States to say, especially someone who lives on a, on golf courses with a giant staff of people who cook every meal and wipe his ass and do everything for him. But that's what he says about the people of Puerto Rico. The general, what's that? This general, we've seen a lot of this guy. He's he was in charge of the recovery at Katrina, I think. General Honoré. Honoré. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. He he made this uh, little connection yesterday. Rick, what is your reaction to the president's tweets this morning? I have no reaction. The, the mayor's living on a cot, and uh, I I hope the president have a good day at golf. That's saying so much. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Jen, Matt, on a topic we haven't touched on this morning, Um, we now know that um, Jared Kushner, Ivanka Trump, and maybe Reince Priebus, and I forget how many others, were using a private email server. How many congressional hearings are there going to be? on uh, the use of private email servers. Does the word zero come to mind? Probably the same number. Probably the same number of congressional hearings on gun safety. Zero. Really? Yeah. Uh, but th- and we were told Jared Kushner only did it because it was convenient, Matt. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> it was more convenient to set it up at home, right, than have to go Absolutely. through all this government red tape and everything. Well, there's. I mean, we're constantly. There's no sort of sense of fidelity to like the presidential records act here from this after you know making the emails a mainstay of the whole campaign that there's no sense that this would be hypocritical they don't really seem to care at all it's just like you know go do whatever you want and uh who cares because i mean they do sort of fashion themselves as untouchable right and there's no sense that they live by the same sort of political rules that they created well, initially, uh, Trey Gowdy said that maybe w- w- we should look into this. Not, not going to follow through. No, <laughs> <laughs> they can't even. No, no, they're trying to do everything they can to pass the things that they want to pass. They're not going to, and they can't even do that. They can't even pass the things that are their priority issues as the party that controls everything in Washington. So, you think they're going to sideline themselves for a little bit on a? Some hearings to look at the White House staff using personal emails, no. and, and and if they did, it would be purely just to preserve the talking point that they didn't, right? Mm-hmm. Or that mm-hmm. uh, this it just be a perfunctory sort of affair that you know check the box, nothing really. Who's going to go after them for this? Is the 
there's no sense that you know Trey Gowdy's really going to bring the hammer down or anything. Right. Well, maybe they won't have these hearings because they're going to be so obsessed with tax reform. They're going to be working so hard on tax reform. What do you think the chances are that that they're going to pass a tax reform? I I, this I year? well I I increasingly uh, I mean I think I started off pretty pessimistic, but I I really do feel talking to them um, that they seem to want to do this, uh, and and they don't seem to be playing by the rules of you know, that you have to pay for this or that they, I mean, if you talk to Republicans, one, one story we, we, we published last week was that basically you ask them, did the Bush tax cuts pay for themselves? And there's no data out there at all that suggests even you know, slightly paid for itself. It, it increased the deficit by, you know, um, I mean, the, the debt, uh, there's some estimates that 40% of our debt is the Bush tax cuts, but even the most modest says it's over a trillion dollars. Um, but Republicans say absolutely paid for itself, you know, and and th- there's no evidence. They don't have to play by the rules of, you know. The figure I saw this morning is that this tax. Well, first of all, we don't have a bill; right. it's just a sketch. Right. But that from what we've seen, uh, the, the economists are now saying seven trillion dollars over 20 years, like it was mm-hmm. whatever it is in the first. 10 the window, and then right. beyond in the, in the next day. Well, I mean, even the, the so bill itself I, admits it's going to lose $1.5 trillion. I mean, that's what they're setting it up for in on the Senate side, that it's going to lose yeah, a trillion and a half dollars. Cost right. us a trillion and a half. <laughs> right. And, and, and no one, you know, we saw Bob Corker come out, I think, over the weekend saying, uh, I'm not going to vote for it if it adds a cent to the deficit. But they all seem to believe this idea that tax cuts pay for themselves, that, you know, there would be this increased growth and revenue, but there's really no suggestion. I mean, if you look at the data, there's no here, clear line between here, the, here's, here's as uh, close as Paul Ryan could come to, I mean, Steve Mnuchin, Donald Trump, everybody says this is aimed at the middle class. That's the whole, this whole thing is about the middle class. There's no evidence of that whatsoever. Paul Ryan has pushed on it. This is a, the best he can do. That's the purpose of doing this. The purpose of this is to get a middle class tax. So is that a guarantee? Well, I don't know every single person's little small problem or their issue. But it'll be minimal if nobody gets If if I'm a middle class tax. The entire purpose of this is to lower middle class taxes. So, yes, people are going to get tax cuts. How big are are those tax cuts? That depends on the individual. I mean, he's lying through his teeth, right? There's no guarantee that the middle class is going to get a tax cut into this. I mean, first of all, there are some rate people who the belief is that some of those rates could go up for people. Other, you know, who knows what they're actually setting it at, and they might set a fourth bracket. But it's clear that the that very top end is is the ones who are going to uh, get a, the, ba- the majority of this. And then there's also the people who are at ten percent. And even if you're doubling the standard deduction, I mean, there, he's right that there are individual cases, and who knows? But if if you're in New York, right, and you get to deduct your state and local taxes, and that's going away, or at least they want it to go away, that will that rem- that fight remains to be seen. But it's clear that um, there are a lot of people who could so, see their taxes just sort of stay the same or whatever, and the tax code, you know, except. Except for people making over seven hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year, or who claim to have ten billion dollars of wealth, right? <laughs> <laughs> claim, well, Jen, claim. Jen, yeah. I'm more pessimistic than. than, than <laughs> I mean, I looked at the calendar. I, I, I looked and looked to see if anybody could say exactly how many working days they have left in the year. Maybe you know, but I couldn't find. It. But I so I, do I just not know a- that number. I, <laughs> I just averaged Thank out God. how many days they have worked so far in this calendar year, and if you followed that they would have from last week 
Friday or so. Forty days of set. Forty days when they would be in session. Okay, they had nine months to do health care repeal and couldn't get it done. Really, they're going to go start, go on tax reform when they don't even have a bill yet and get it all done in forty days? So I'm not I'm not in following the day to day discussions on this. Like Fuller's really good on that stuff, um, but I do have my doubts because if you just step back and look at their track record so far. They just had a colossal failure on health care reform, and you cannot understate that enough. And that was that was what they ran on for years, and mm. it failed. So they're picking up the pieces, and they're moving forward with their next favorite thing, which is tax reform, which is what Paul Ryan has wanted to do all along. They don't have a bill. They have, They don't have a plan yet, I guess. I mean, they have basic framework, but... And they have the worst poster boy they could possibly have as, Steve pre- as president. Well, Donald oh, Trump. Oh, well, Donald Trump. <laughs> try too, and yeah. sell it. I mean, this is a guy who has grifted and, and worked his way around the system for his entire life and career, and that's the guy you want to try and sell tax reform to And who America? won't release his tax reform. But, but he, he won't release his tax reform. His, exactly. his constituency, he only needs to convince 218 Republicans yes. in the House and 50 senators in the Senate, and it's it, for me, it's like healthcare. There was clearly a reckoning where the rhetoric was one way, and they had to confront reality that they weren't going to bring down prices for people, that they were going to have to screw over people with pre-existing conditions, and a lot of that. Those realities were difficult, uh, and some of in some cases they just sort of rejected that idea that they were doing these things that they were. Uh, but on tax cuts, the rhetoric has been pretty consistent. We just want to ta- cut taxes. And- the rhetoric also has been consistent that we don't want to add to the deficit or the debt. I mean, their entire since I've been but following the, but, politics, that's but they what the falsely Republican believe. Meme. But they falsely believe that it doesn't. They just think that you know well, this is a philosophical disagreement. Some do. Some do. I mean, there and you uh, might be right that, that that there are some who are going to hold the line here. But I'm like, I'm looking for those Republicans who are going to be the ones to say. Well, you got one so far. But you said, <laughs> I thought rather flippantly, that all they need are 50 votes in the Senate. Well, how, yeah. how can we be so sure that they're going to they can do this through reconciliation? Can they automatically? They can don't they? need 60 votes. I think it's pretty clear that they. I mean, they have a budget resolution that's ready to go. I think actually uh, they'll be able to do more of the tax cut stuff. One of the challenges with healthcare was that a lot of the things they wanted to do through reconciliation they couldn't do, whereas tax cuts you know, they can do under fifty. With now, just but 50. there are actually some trappings here. Not to get like too in the weeds here, where there are uh, some bird rules things that are going on. Whether um, they can do dynamic scoring or static, basically accounting for this, you know, increased yeah. economic growth or whatever. But I generally think there are fifty votes to even change the rules or whatever they have to do to get what they want here. I mean, maybe you may. Yeah. I think the Senate is the more challenging place, and there are lots of trappings here to go with charities and the standard deduction, and all sorts of groups are going to come out of the weeds here. But I think there's real um, motivation from Republicans after failing on health care, and that they can just say, you know, end of the day, 2020, 2018, people look at their tax tax cuts and say, you know, oh, Trump sucks or whatever. I'm embarrassed, but like, at least I got my my taxes cut. Yeah. And they think that's a winning strategy. I think one thing they've got going for them this time, too, compared to healthcare, is that healthcare mobilized millions of people around the country around a very personal issue because everybody is affected by healthcare and health problems. With tax reform, there's a lot of numbers flying around, there's a lot of wonky phrases and boring conversations about percentages and deductions. And just, I mean, my eyes glaze over <laughs> mm-hmm. hearing myself say those things. 
when I ever talk about tax reform, right? So I think they've got to their advantage, they've got that people are probably are not going to be as uh, fired up about tax reform as health care reform. And they could push through something without as much public pushback on it. You are definitely right about that. I mean, really, there's a reason why uh, Congress has not dealt with tax reform since 1986, I think, right? Or Although, I mean, if you like could that. take it, the 2001, 2003 tax cuts, well, fiscal they, 2012. Tax uh, cuts. Tax cuts. Are I mean, not this is what. Tax reform. I mean, the, the major tax reform, which they say they want to do, the last time was under Ronald Reagan. Sure. And I believe Republicans lost the House or maybe both in the next election because, I mean, the American people, it's not a, not a real hot burning issue for them. Too wonky for one. I mean, Donald Trump thought healthcare was complicated, right? <laughs> so, um, how is Mitch McConnell feeling these days after losing uh, repeal uh, the repeal effort, which he was foolish, I believe, to even try, and um, and losing Alabama? I think last week he may have had the worst day of his entire career, arguably, <laughs> because yeah, I mean, he, the healthcare bill went down again on his watch, and he his candidate lost in the primary in Alabama. He also don't forget that Bob Corker announced he's retiring. Bob mm. Corker is a solidly, right. you know, likable, longtime member of the Republican Party in the Senate. I just want to say really quickly uh, on I, I, it was a really really tough week for Mitch McConnell, and I know that we're all like we're very <laughs> progressive, uh, but you know at the end of the day we're all humans, and I just want to say to Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Who cares, you weirdo? Like, that's so great. I'm glad of you. I'm glad he had a good week. <laughs> Warmest condolences. Warmest condolences on your terrible essay week. Yeah. <laughs> President Trump. Trump. <laughs> Where there aren't the votes. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Wow. Welcome back, Peter. Uh, yes, he's having a terrible time right now. Yeah, I mean, and it's got to, I mean, weaken his leadership, right, people? And Trump's not happy with him again. <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. Not that they've ever been particularly close, but last week was like a, I mean, Trump's name is now tied to healthcare going down and to Luther Strange losing the the primary. So, or this, yeah, I guess the primary, it was, it's a weird election. Um, but now Trump's tied to that. And it's, he can look at Mitch McConnell and say, this guy made me do this, you know? So, right. So maybe, uh, Matt, uh, Trump says, well, I guess maybe I should be making more deals with uh, Chuck and Nancy. Nanchuck. Uh, you got to huh? call him Nanchuck. Nanchuck. <laughs> oh, I like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Could we see? Uh, I mean, I know some Republicans are now starting to balk about making too many of these deals, but Trump doesn't care, right? If he sees... If he's, if he sees a win, he'll t- he'll do it, won't he? I think that's I think that's right. And the only thing I would say is he's now realizing there's there's political blowback beyond. I mean, and obviously Republicans did not rebel against you know the CR debt deal stuff. I mean, there was some some chattering, but I think that he does now recognize that when he makes these moves, he's the one who takes the blame for these bad deals. Now they're gonna if if you know if you're gonna make a debt limit deal and CR, he can blame Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan if they do it. Right, and it's their fault, and he's and he's. I don't think he thinks it was a bad deal. I think he's coming around to the idea that mm-hmm. <clears throat> there are there were things in there that he didn't like, and I and I certainly think that if his motivation, and I've heard this, is to say, you know, I want to get rid of Paul Ryan, or I want to get rid of Mitch McConnell, um, that 
when he makes those deals, not them, it it, it, it hurts the whole effort, right? That um, this is not something that they're doing. He's stepping in and sort of taking the bullet inadvertently, right? He doesn't know what he's doing, right? He doesn't know that, that this but, deal is going get to get made with or without him. Wouldn't you see it, though? Let's say the Dreamers, right? I mean, if he can pull off a deal with Chuck and Nancy on the Dreamers. I mean, Nanchuk. Nanchuk, sorry. <laughs> uh, Nanchuk. I, I would uh, – it's hard to get inside of his head, but I, I think Trump would see that as a win, win for him and, you know, get this monkey of immigration kind of off his back for a little bit. And... I think it would, it, it would be to his advantage to help pass the Dreamers Act change something, either pass the, the Dreamer bill itself or um, do something to, you know, keep – dreamers in the country but I think he'll take it wherever he can get it and I think that everybody I think the majority of people in Congress want to do something on that and they know how bad it looks if they don't so I don't even think that's going to be Trump and Nanchuk I think that will be <laughs> Trump Nanchuk and something involving Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan because in the end they have a timeline that that Trump imposed on them which you know which we'll is March, see what happens after. which is March 2018 yep. So, but you've got all these people living in limbo right now, freaking out. As no, they no, 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 exactly. Which is why and I, nobody I was going wants to ask. That. So, don't you think they might even move it up and try to get it done? I think. Well, this year, certainly, Nanchuk wants to get it done this year. Mm-hmm. I have talked to Pelosi a couple of times, and she's been like, our, "Oh yeah, end of year. This is our plan. Hopefully, before end of year." But then again, you know, Pelosi's not in the majority, and she can have her wish list. But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. But I, I, this is one of the things I think that everybody actually wants to do something on. Well, but there is political blowback for these things. And and within yep. Trump's base, you know, him – I mean you saw, you know, stupid Ann Coulter saying, you know, who doesn't want to impeach Trump now? But if you made a DACA deal, right, um, there's his base, which was extremely anti-immigrant. They're going to be the ones who, you know, he sold us out. He he lied to us. Um, you know, the only immigration bill that they really did was this DACA thing. So th- th- I, I think he's going to want us to take a step back and not be the one who we, makes that deal. We keep waiting for his base to desert him. Ah, <laughs> yeah. man, one of these days. I know. I'm not even sure. All right. Matt Fuller, Jim Bendery, thanks for joining the Welcome Back Party. Yes, and All welcome right. back. Thanks for coming in. Welcome back. And Peter Ogburn, great to have you back. Are you coming back tomorrow? No. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to show once every five weeks. That's my new rule. <laughs> have this a great day, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll be show. here. <laughs> <laughs>